Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, every single part of it, even many of the passages of scripture like we're going to look at today that we often glance over. Lord, you are speaking to us always through it. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear what you have to say to each one of us. I pray that it would give us hope for our world and for our own lives. And God, as always, that we would be reminded of the salvation that is offered through Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Our scripture verse... Our scripture text for today that we're going to be looking at is Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Uh, What is that? It's a genealogy. I'm wondering if there's anyone brave enough to stand up and read the genealogy for us today. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. Today we're going to be looking at at Matthew's genealogy. This is one passage of scripture among many others, like maybe in Chronicles or Numbers, where we kind of skim over it. And um, there's some really interesting things in Matthew's genealogy. This is much more than a family tree, and looking forward to diving into it today. Uh, But before we do that, I'm not going to read it either. Uh, There is a... uh, One of my favorite musicians, his name is Andrew Peterson, and he has written a song that goes almost word for word from Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 16, and uh, I also found a video that kind of goes along with it, and so uh, would you follow along in your Bibles as Andrew uh, sings for us, okay? Jake. 
speaker But listen very closely I don't want to sing this twice Jacob was the father of Joseph Husband of Mary Mother of Christ Next year, Steve, you're going to sing that. <laughs> Good news from the grandparents. It's the title of the sermon today. Good news from the grandparents. And there's a few reasons why I felt like this would be a good scripture for us today on December 27th in 2015. Uh, first of all, this is a Christmas text. Uh, this is a reminder to us that Jesus has a history He has a lineage. He came into a particular family in our world, a family that we're going to see today wasn't such a great family most of the time, wasn't such a noble family much of the time, but Jesus came into that family. It's a Christmas text that reminds us that Jesus came into our world. Also, over the course of this year, we have been doing this sermon series on the Bible and God's mission, where we've looked at, you know, from Genesis to Revelation, God's plans and his purposes for our world to to fill the whole earth with his glory. And this text, in many ways, is a review of most of that sermon series, the Bible and God's mission. But even more than that, the, the purpose of Matthew's genealogy reminds us that this Jesus, this one who came into the world, is the hope of the nations. And this has been our theme throughout Advent. It's Jesus who came as the hope of the nations, and he is the hope of our lives. And so this is our text for today, and for those of you who may be nervous that this might be the most boring sermon ever in the history of the world, I promise there's more here than meets the eye. It may still be the most boring sermon in the history of the world, but it won't be because of Matthew chapter 1. The good news from the grandparents, from the grandparents is that God is involved in the messiness of our lives, in the messiness of our world, and he has come to redeem it. Genealogies in Scripture, we, we tend to look at them and kind of read them through quickly or perhaps not read them at all. Uh, then we have our own genealogies as well. We have this great library, I guess, about three blocks away from here, that's one of the, the greatest genealogy libraries in the world. Have, have any of you done any work on your genealogies? Okay. Now, I've I haven't done any work, but my uncle Dale has, and he's passed on um, his information to me, and I found out that my great-great-great-grandfather and my great-great-great-great-grandfather were both named Ebenezer, which is interesting for me because the first church I was a part of was Ebenezer Baptist Church. Okay, So that's interesting as a part of my own history. Is there anyone who has something interesting about your genealogy that you'd be willing to share? All right, right back here. I'm a daughter of the revolution. A daughter of the revolution. Do yeah. you know what daughter, whose daughter you are? I think his name is Joseph. Joseph, all right. The daughter of the revolution. Anybody else have something interesting from their genealogy? Deb. My dad traced um, family back when they first came over to the United States um, from Holland. And we have Van Nuys in our family, and the Van Nuys founded the city in 
California. All right, Van Nuys, California. Great. The founder of the city of California. Anybody else? Anything interesting? Michelle, you can just yell it from up there if you want to. (laughs) I've got a friend of mine who is always uh, very quick to tell us that he was Mary Todd Lincoln's great, 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 great grandson. John. I had a, uh, a cousin that was taking a message to uh, General Green, and the, the Tories caught her in uh, the Revolutionary War, and she saw that they was going to capture her. So she took them, read the message, and ate the message so that no one could catch it, and then she went and told the uh, message to General Green orally. It's great. Got a little kind of a Paul Revere there from your story. Okay, so now it's interesting. Whenever you hear somebody say, oh, this is about my genealogy, we hear, oh, my, you know, great-great-grandfather was the Duke of whatever, or, you know, they tell all these great things from the genealogy. That's not what Matthew does in Matthew chapter 1. <laughs> he doesn't highlight, very often at least, uh, the great people from Jesus' line. He does... Quite the opposite. In this genealogy, there are, uh, Matthew does something interesting. He he includes five women in the genealogy, which is interesting in and of itself, because women weren't typically included in these genealogies, in these part of these stories. But he includes five women, and all of them are suspect. Um, none of them really would have been considered a noble person. Um, At best, they were outsiders, and at worst, they were really um, immoral women. And the first was a woman named Tamar. And if you've ever read Genesis 38, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible story. I'm not going to tell it all because um, the Go Fish kids are here today, and it's really an awful story. Genesis chapter 38 of, of adultery and incest and lying and cheating and stealing. It's all in there, like all ten of the commandments just broken blatantly in Genesis chapter 38 with Judah and Tamar. But for some reason, Matthew, of all the women that he could have chosen, says... Jesus came from Tamar. Then there was a woman named Rahab. Rahab, we, um, it, we're introduced to Rahab in the book of Joshua. Uh, the spies are, are sent into the land, and uh, they go to this woman's house, this Rahab, and she is a prostitute, and she's heard about Israel's God, and she welcomes them into her home, and she hides them, and she helps them escape. But Rahab, she was a prostitute, an immoral woman. And then we have Ruth. That's mentioned. And Ruth is a wonderful, noble woman, but she was an outsider. She was a Moabite. She was not from the people of Israel. She was a nobody of nobodies. Uh, This woman who just decided, I'm going to commit to my mother in law. I'm going to take care of her. Uh, This person who really we should know nothing about. But Ruth is here mentioned in this genealogy. And then there is another woman whose name isn't given in the genealogy, but it is uh, Uriah's wife, and we know that that was Bathsheba. And we know that story, right? King David stole Uriah's wife from him and then had Uriah murdered so he could cover up his sin. Matthew didn't need to remind us of that story in the genealogy, but he does. And then, of course, the last woman is Mary. And we know, we know her story. 
We know that she was an honorable woman. We know that she was a woman who loved the Lord and submitted herself to the Lord, but she was most likely an outcast, right? She was most likely an outcast from her people. Uh, We know her story. We believe her story, but I doubt many other people in her community believed her story. And so her and many of these other women that are mentioned in this genealogy would have had kind of a scarlet letter on them for most of their lives, and yet... Matthew goes out of his way to tell us that this is where Jesus came from. Good news from the grandparents. I believe in your bulletin, the outline has good news for you and then good news for the nations, and I flipped that around in our order today. So I want to talk first about good news for the nations. Good news from the grandparents is good news for the nations. Matthew begins this genealogy by telling us that this is a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. Do you remember the stories of Abraham and David that we looked at some uh, time ago in the Bible and God's mission? We saw that in Genesis chapter 12, God calls this man named Abraham and he gives him some promises. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Matthew begins his gospel story, the hook in his gospel story. You know, most books begin with kind of an opening page or an opening line that's to capture our interest. He tells us here at the very beginning, this Jesus, this one who I'm going to tell you this story about, the most important story that Matthew could ever tell, he begins by telling us that Jesus is the son of Abraham. There were promises made to Abraham that God would make him a great nation, that he would give him as his descendants the land, that uh, descendants would come from him, and that all peoples would be blessed through his descendants. This Jesus is the one who is going to fulfill all of these promises. He is the one, the descendant through whom all of the nations on the earth will be blessed. Good news from Jesus' grandparents is good news for the nations. He is also the son of David. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7. And we read this promise, this covenant made to to David. And as I read this, I just want you to hear the echoes, the echoes from Abraham's, from the promise that God made to Abraham. Very similar language, very similar words, very similar promises made to David. 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 8 Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great. You hear that echo from Abraham's promise. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men of the earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel. Again, an echo of the promise to Abraham. 
And I will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. If you remember this passage came when David himself was thinking, wow, I'm living in this beautiful palace, this beautiful home, and God is still out there in that tabernacle. And David wanted to build a temple, a dwelling place for the Lord. And God comes through the prophet Nathan and says, "Uh, David, you are not going to build a house for me. I'm going to build a house for you. I'm going to bless you. And so he says, the Lord declares, when your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. That verse is partially fulfilled in Solomon, but is fulfilled completely in Jesus, the descendant of David. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Good news from the grandparents is good news. For the nations. The promise made to Abraham, I will bless all of the nations for you. I am choosing you, Abraham. Among all of the peoples of the earth, I am choosing you not to exclude the nations, but to be a blessing to the nations. David, I am choosing you from among the flock, from among the pasture. You were just a shepherd boy. I chose you. I made you into who you I want who I wanted you to be, and through you a descendant will come who will be the king, not only of Israel, but the king of kings, the king of kings. Good news from the grandparents is good news for the nations. And then all along the way, Matthew in this genealogy includes these women. These women. Almost all of them, except for Mary, are Gentiles. Tamar is a Canaanite. Rahab is from Jericho, also a Canaanite. Uriah's wife, most likely Bathsheba, was a Hittite. Ruth was a Moabite. They were all from outside of God's people. And so why is it that Matthew would choose to put these women in this genealogy when they didn't need to be there? Because Matthew, at the very end of his book, is going to give his disciples the Great Commission, which was what? Go into all nations. Teach them to obey me. And Matthew, right here from the very beginning in Matthew chapter 1, is setting up the Great Commission for the end. What he is saying is, this has always been the heart of God. It has always been the heart of God to include the nations into his people. And God will do that as he sends his disciples to go into all the nations. But even here at the very beginning, we see this hint that God has always had a heart for the nations. The choosing of Abraham was not to exclude the nations, but to include them in the people of God. This has always been the heart of God. Good news from the grandparents is good news for the nations. 
And I want to suggest to you also that good news from the grandparents is good news for you as well. This is the last Sunday of 2015. Uh, 2015 is almost history, right? A genealogy is nothing if it is not history. Well, 2015, this year, is almost done. I want you to think about your year. Do you have regrets? Are there things in your life which you wish you would have done better? Have there been areas of your life where you have been walking in the flesh, walking in sin? Jesus can take this mess of your own history, this mess of your past year, and make it into something good. He can take the sinfulness of Judah and the trickery of Tamar. He can take a sinful woman like Rahab. He can take an outsider and nobody of nobodies like Ruth and include her in his family. He can take a man like David, who stole a woman's wife and then had his, her husband murdered to cover up his sin, he can take that man and make him a king. He can take Mary, a woman of 13, 14, maybe 15 years old. And he can see that this is the woman who I am going to send my son into her womb. And she responds, Lord, may it be to me as you will. This young woman from a small little backwards place, he finds her and uses her for great purposes. Or maybe you consider your own family, and maybe you know that your family, your descendants, your family now, maybe it is a mess, maybe it's a wreck. God is in the business of identifying with sinful people and broken and dysfunctional families. And he wants to use those and take those things and use them for his good and for his glory. It requires a response from us. Requires an openness from our hands to say, Lord, please use me. I do know, I no longer want to stay in this place of sin. I no longer want to stay in this place of dysfunction in my own life or in my family's life. Lord, please take whatever it is that you see in me that you want to use and use it for your glory. This genealogy tells us that our God is able and does do this. He seems to like doing this as much as he likes doing anything else. He wants to do this in your life today and in this next year. So we're going to have an opportunity for us to to sing a few songs. The worship team, if you want to come on up, we're going to sing a few songs. If there's any way that you want to respond today and ask, Lord, please use me in these ways. Take whatever is broken in my life, whatever is broken in my family, and if you want to use it, please, Lord, do it. And if you want to pray there, seated, that's fine. If you want to come forward and pray with somebody, please feel free to do that. If you come to this side, we'll know that you want somebody to pray with you. And someone will come and pray with you. If you want to pray on your own and kneel before the Lord here, please come um, forward to this side. This is an opportunity for you to realize that this genealogy, this good news from Jesus' grandparents is good news for your life. Jesus is in the business of entering into the lives of sinful people, identifying even 
with sinful people and turning their mess and making it into something very good. Would you pray with me? Your word says to us that you are not ashamed to call us your children. And it seems that you are not ashamed to call Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba your grandmother. You are not ashamed. Because you know how to enter into the mess of our lives, into the mess of our world, and to turn it and to make it into something very good. So, Lord, we offer our lives, our hearts, our minds, our hands, our feet. We offer these things to you today. They are broken, they are messy. They have seen things and said things and gone places that they should not have gone or spoken or heard. And so, Lord, we pray that you would take them, that you would sanctify them and make them holy, these bodies of ours, and use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.